Welcome to Good Dog Nation, the weekly video podcast that's all about having a good dog. Hosted by Kim Merritt, co-founder of GoodDogInABox.com and GoodDogPro.com and founder of The URL Doctor. This episode is brought to you by GoodDogInABox.com, reward-based dog training and dog bite prevention products for families with kids and dogs, and GoodDogPro.com, the online content subscription and community for dog professionals with reward-based dog training products, curriculums, and online courses to educate, motivate, and positively impact those that work with dogs. Now, let's join Good Dog Nation. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Good Dog Nation. I am Kim Merritt, co-founder of Good Dog in a Box and Good Dog Pro. I want to welcome you today with a very interesting subject. We're going to be talking about music and sound as it relates to dog and dog training and dog behavior. And I have two I do have two very important, interesting guests, even though we can only see one of them. But our uh, our first guest uh, is Julie Dorsey Oskirka. She is the co-author of Adopting a Dog, Start Off Right with a Sound Beginning, and founder of a Sound Beginning program, which is a 14-day program designed to reduce and eliminate stress during the first days you bring a new dog home. Julie is a rally judge and member of APDT, the Pet Professionals Guild, and the Dog Writers Association of America. Welcome, Julie, even though we can't see you. Well, my Mac doesn't apparently want to let you see me today so that's okay i can talk and and we can see both you and our lead trainer steve frost so thanks yes i'm all right and let me introduce steve frost so steve is a professional trainer and educator he is a karen Pryor academy certified trainer he is a shelter behavior affiliate with the international association of animal behavior consultants He is also a certified professional bird trainer, knowledge assessed, and he is the shelter program manager and in-home behavioral trainer at A Sound Beginning. Welcome, Steve. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And it's such a pleasure to have both of you. So let's start with what exactly is A Sound Beginning and where did the origins of this program come from? Oh, boy. You're going to take me all all the way back to the cave. Okay, um, the program was started, basically we started it um, about five, six, five, six years ago when we when we wrote the book um, and it was published in 2013. I ended up self, self-publishing self it in 2014 because I wanted to be able to get the price down to where, where we could um, be able to offer it to shelters and rescue at a price that they could afford so that it would be a benefit to go home with an adopter and the dog at the time of adoption, that's when it's really needed. That's when support is really needed. So the reason why the book was even put together was because I used to be a trainer, an active trainer with people coming into family dog classes and, and all those kinds of things. And I kept seeing people coming in and going, God, they, I wish they would have known about this three weeks ago when they got the dog instead of now, because now I'm fixing behavior problems instead of preventing them in the first place. And then I started seeing what rescues and shelters were giving out, which was like multiple pages of, um, 
different things to look up on the internet and, and, and all sorts of stuff. And it was all hodgepodge. And I thought to myself as an adopter, there's no way I'm going to look through all that stuff. So I talked to my good friend and co-author Pat Rattray and I said, you know, I really want to write a book that's going to be something easy that we could give to people. So instead of being able to go home with a trainer, let's give them this book next best thing. So we, we began writing it, we put it together, we had a great editing um, staff that, that really narrowed it down into the very simple style. So you only have to read a couple pages a day. And um, that's pretty much how it started. And then after a year of the book being published, they said, you know, we really need to um, offer people um, in-class training because a lot of people just don't quite get it when they just read. They really need to be able to see somebody do some of the exercises. They really need to be able to have that personal coaching and that, that support that they need. So that's how we started the Sound Beginning program. And one of my friends who was a who is a Karen Pryor Academy graduate, Amy Saletta, um, she said, oh, well, I can help you. We can turn it into um, a modular program and I can help you set it up and everything. So she started helping us write the um, all, all the, the handouts that we use for the class and everything. And she started doing that. And then the program started taking off and then we started getting calls for in-homes and then boom, that's where Steve came in. And so it's just continually been growing since then in a lot of different directions. So what is the music component? Ah, and how does that work? That's my favorite part. I could talk about that forever, but I'll keep it short. Um, so the, the, the short background story about how that happened is when I used to teach competition and obedience, I saw people getting so very stressed out because, you know, the dog wasn't exactly in heel position. I'm going to lose a half of a point. Oh, my goodness. And even those even though these people were only being taught and only using positive reinforcement um, techniques, it didn't help them with their stress level. So I started playing music and, and having them, you know, heal to the music. And then the mood just totally changed in the room that I was teaching. And I thought this is a good idea. And then one of my veterinary friends came back from a, a conference and she said, oh, I just worked with Joshua Leeds, who is um, actually he was the founder of um, uh, bioacoustics um, for animals and, and research and everything. And he was doing studies at the time on how the effects of sound um, will reduce stress in a shelter environment. And so she said, you have got to get his book. You've got to read this. And then you've also got to read this book on neurology from this professor. And so I got all that stuff and I started, you know, just downloading it all into my brain. And I said, this is really interesting. I love it. So I started applying the basic principles of sound, which is, you know, it's, it, it goes really far back to just common sense in a, in a, in a way. If, if you want to get a dog to come. When called, you're going to use a high-pitched voice. Come, 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 come. And if you want to get an animal to slow down, you're going to say, whoa, easy. That's the very basic principle of how sound works. So high-pitched notes create activity in the brain. And the lower notes on the register will, will promote a calming effect. Um, but it also is interesting when you're using um, uh, harmonies, that are simple, not complex. You're actually putting the brain into what's called passive listening. And then that allows the brain waves to change 
which reduces stress and supports the brain's ability to be able to learn something new. So combining the exercises that we do in this book with just that low level sound of the sound therapy music in the background, it really speeds up the learning process and it's and it just helps the human stay calm, which allows the dog to learn. And, and that's pretty much how it works. And Steve was using it when he was, um, he used to be, um, the behavior manager at a shelter that we we met him at, and he can tell you about this part of it, but um, they did start using the uh, music in the shelter and you could see a difference there. And in fact, they still use the music too. I think they use different kinds of music and stuff, but right, Steve? Yep, that's true. And what we noticed, you know, just experimenting, we used to have staff listen to the, you know, to the radio and they'd be listening to all sorts of stuff, just really based on their personal preferences. And really when we took the time to actually observe the animals, you know, just that, that slower tempo, that, that simpler kind of solo, somewhat classical music, really just seemed to resonate well with the animals and, and was very complimentary to what we're doing. And, and certainly to add to everything that Julie has said, one of the facets you know, that I really enjoy about the music is that when we were in our group classes, for example, that music comes on prior to us training, wheeling and dealing a lot of treats with our dogs and having a good time. And it stays on the entirety of that good time that we're having in class with these dogs. So it really just builds a good emotional association. And then when you Take that home, you know, and there may be a situation where you're getting ready to leave your dog home or there's maybe something challenging that you're working on. You know, you really reap the benefit of that emotional association to that music that has really been built up in class as well, in addition to its natural common properties. So are your clients, um, let's let's start with dog owners. Uh, is a dog owner using this? Are they playing it in the background at home all the time or just when they're training with their dog or working with their dog? We've well, got some, well, I, I can tell you real fast with some yeah. of our foster homes, they, right from like Illinois Doberman Rescue Plus, they, I, I've heard that some of their foster homes, they, they go through Spotify and that music's on 24 seven for all their foster dogs that they have, because it really does help the dogs stay calm, less barking, less, less um, pacing, panting, and all the stressors just really reduce um and people will use the, the music when they're practicing the lessons but most people use it when they're leaving the dog a, a alone um and when they think there's going to be times of stress like they're having company over so they'll have the dog in a safe place you know like the dog's comfortable area of the house and they'll have the music playing and they'll give the dog a long lasting chewy to work on that way the positive emotional association of new people coming into the house is oh this is where i go to my area and i'm calm i can hear that music i know what that means i'm, I'm eating a, a bone that it makes me feel better and then i'm looking at those new people in the house and you know what i kind of like having those new people in the house because that's when good things happen to me over here and um, that's one of the things that steve really tries to help with people understand how to be able to apply this in the home, not just in the classroom, because he's done both. He's done the classroom stuff, but then basically he's just taking that and teaching them how to apply it in the home situation so that he reduces things like that stranger danger stuff. Right, Steve? Absolutely. And I think that's, that's where the challenge lies for a lot of folks is, you know, we can understand these things in theory, but the practical application is, is totally different, you know, especially with respect to what your home situation looks like, what the needs are of, of your individual animal. And that's where it can be just so helpful and advantageous to have a professional set of eyes, you know, just on you, your situation, your dog, to really make the most of that relationship, especially early on, you know, when that dog is fairly new, which is really what our program originally was designed for. So is the music that is part of your program, it, talk about that. Is it specific, specific 
songs? Is it specific tunes, melodies? Was it written just for your program or is it existing music? Well, no, this, the music that's in our program was created by my darling, sweet, wonderful husband. And I, and I'm not getting paid to say that either. He's a good boy, <laughs> but he's uh he's been a musician his whole life and he's a pianist and he's also um, he's also an on air on air radio host. And his main thing is jazz, but he's always his, his life. He's always singing, you know, 24 seven, every time if he's, he's awake, he's singing, he's either humming or he's singing or something. That's who he is. So when I originally wrote the book, I had um, used a different um, musician and um it was the music was you know it was good and everything, but it, when I went to go self-publish, I was stuck with that. Oh no, I have to get the price down, but which means I have to control the music myself as well too. So I looked at my husband, and my husband goes, "Well, you know, hey, I'm right here. I'm an asset." And all I could think to myself is, "Hmm, but if I don't like it, I still have to live with you." So and and I'm not going to be afraid to say. I don't like it, but I don't want to ruin our relationship by that either. So I figured, well, okay, well, we'll try it. So I just told him the truth and I said, well, hey, here you go. So after um, we set up the date for him to go into the studio and record and, um, and I never once heard him go to the piano and practice. So of course I'm starting, you know, the, the controlling freak that I am. I'm like, oh my God, he hasn't been practicing. Oh my gosh, he hasn't been practicing. It's going to come out horrible. And, and I just went to him and I said, you know, you're going to the studio in a couple of days. We paid blah, blah, blah money for it. And I haven't seen you practice. And he said, I have. And I said, when? And he said, right here. And he pointed to his head. He said, I've been practicing in here. He said, I don't have to go to the piano and do it. I'm creating it in my mind. Wow. So he goes to the studio and he comes back and I'm a nervous wreck. And he gives me the, the basic CD, right? This was just a one-time recording. And he comes back with the CD and I put the CD in and this is based on him, me telling him I need between 55 and 65 beats per minute. I need this many low notes. Don't stay out of this register. I need simple harmonies. I need all, I explained all that stuff to him. And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I know I could. it. So I put on the CD and immediately, boom, a sense of calm and relief went over me and like, Whoa, the first couple notes that came out, this is exactly what I'm looking for. I hit the, the, the second song, yes. The third song, yes. There was only one song. He, he did 13 songs. There was only one song I had to toss out. And these are all stuff that he composed in his brain. So wow, I, that's amazing. I had to throw one song out. He had to go back in. And then we needed an hour worth of music so that it would match an hour class, right? And so we were short one, like six, five minutes or something like that. We, we were short one. So at the very last second, the last song on the CD, it's actually, um, it's actually called uh, Cal's Meadow. It's, it's um, song number 14 on the CD. He, he created that while he was thinking about me. So that song he just did last minute. He didn't even plan that one in his head and it just boom, it filled up the exact hour that I needed and done. So yeah. And I don't have to pay him. So that's why we're doing really well. <laughs> and did I read in my research for this that your husband is a graduate of Columbia in Chicago? Yes. So is my son. Ah, 
wow, how nice. Yeah, it's a great, so, great, great school. Great school. Great, great school. Great, yeah. Yes, great people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Steve, from your experience, were you using music as a therapy tool in in the shelters you were dealing with before you knew about this program or did you start using it when you got involved with the sound beginning so great question i i think you know to answer that it was it was more of a therapy tool originally for us as staff members you know just dealing with the adversity in the day-to-day um and it was one of those things where again you know the application is, is so simple and straightforward but just actually applying that both to animals and to people, that's really where a sound beginning came in to, to really lead the charge in terms of proving that no, this really does have a good positive effect and it really is very supportive uh, of our efforts. So just in the sense of making it, you know, a nice atmosphere for, for the people initially, that was pretty intuitive, but really applying it in, in very purposeful ways to the animals, you know, playing it specifically during meal times, during designated enrichment times, et cetera, you know, to gain the benefit of just that, that emotional association and, and pairing that really came uh, later once I became much more intimately involved in, in the sound beginning. So, you know, the thought and the general idea was there, but the real full implementation that gave us the best results for the animals uh, came a little thereafter once I was able to get in good with Julie and her team. So it, it, in talking about your music use originally kind of for the people around uh, the animals in the shelter. So can this program be used for people and for children? To, to say, you know, we're not, we're not children professionals, uh, certainly, but behavior is behavior and behaviors across the board and, and training primates, you know, which kids are, it's, it's the exact same as training the dog. It's just the execution is, is a little different. So fundamentally, all the principles that give us results for our animals will absolutely give us results for, for children. And, you know, I'm, I'm still pretty young, about 28 or so. And I can tell you, you know, I got a lot of friends that eh, hit or miss, don't really care for kids. But I, in addition to, you know, being a dog trainer, I'm a bird trainer. I love working with parrots and how complex they are and, and so on and so forth. And I love working with kids in the in-home setting simply because, you know, it's just like a parrot that really can speak back to me in, in a purposeful way. And it's nice to work with a learner that is eager, that is enthused, and all the exact same principles of behavior modification, you know, for our animal learners directly apply. And certainly the same holds true for people, you know, simply when we're interacting with our family, our coworkers, and so on and so forth. So short answer, yes, absolutely. Well, and, you know, I, I so appreciate what you're talking about. My mother used with me 52, oh, I'm dating myself, almost 52 <laughs> years ago, um, Glenn Doman's program of using music for brain development. And I used it with my children 23 and 20 years ago. And I can remember we would we would play it when the kids were working. There were particular songs that we would put on uh, to decompress when they were falling asleep. I can my son in particular, we would start to play the the one for relaxing and he would be asleep literally in like a minute. It was just hysterical. But we I've used programs like that with, you know, not not out in the, the public, but with my own children. And I got great results. And I think my mother would say that she got a pretty good result in using it as well. <laughs> um, so Steve, talk about what you're doing now with um, uh, a sound beginning and exactly what your part is in this at this point. Yeah. So my, my primary role, I've got kind of two primary functions here. So uh, what I'm largely responsible for is working with various shelters, implementing uh, you know, more higher level protocols, really taking shelters that have 
know, good ideas about things, certainly very, very good intentions, but really lack the means uh, to constantly execute them. And unfortunately, you know, while our heart is in there for helping the animals, and that is certainly a priority, you know, finance is our priority and business is a priority to keep that shelter alive and, and certainly viable so that we can continue to save lives. So to help, you know, people who are interested in behavior, who are interested in animal welfare, to help organizations who are interested in, in simply bettering their operation, what we're able to do and assist with is not only finding out, you know, with, with what their constrictions are um, or what their abilities are, uh, helping them help the animals, but to do so in such a way that, that not only is, is viable, uh, but is actually going to increase, you know, their, their live release rate. That's going to increase their animal turnover. That's going to increase their profitability and, and prestige as an organization. So that's kind of its own separate entity. Um, and then in addition to that, I am a uh, in-home trainer for a sound beginning. So with that, what we'll see is a lot of, a lot of good people who just want to start off on the right foot in terms of, of prevention, which is certainly one of my favorite clients. You know, we, we always tend to stay with dogs. It's a lot easier to keep your knives sharp than it is to sharpen your knives. So we always like to prevent those, those problems from ever occurring. And I got to tell you, when someone gets a dog, you know, somewhat fresh out of the shelter, they had a couple days of decompression, they can follow in the book to a T, and then you come in and you can see that it's just a lovely sociable dog, well suited to their lifestyle, and they just want to learn how to make sure nothing, nothing ever develops, you know, in the negative sense from the animal. It's usually nothing but smooth sailing thereafter. And then certainly on the more extreme end of things, uh, you know, we'll work anywhere from, from minor to moderate behavioral concerns and problems. Some, sometimes it really is a, a very serious concern. Other times it's simply just, you know, more higher level training that these folks need in terms of getting objective behavior. And then with that, we're also very, very fortunate um, that we're able to network and, and gain the endorsement of our local uh, board certified veterinary behaviors. So we will do a lot of work with a lot of clients um, whose dogs are truly on the clinical spectrum in, in regards to their behavior. And just the relief that, that many people can hear We've been, of course, you know, very competent, capable, kind, compassionate dog people their whole life that are just utterly struggling with their pet. And, and they're looking at it simply in the, as a training problem, but it's not a training problem. This dog truly, much like a human being who suffers from mental illness through no fault of their own, this dog truly is on the clinical spectrum. And when they, when they can see that and, and hear that from a professional who can, can help them with that and can really help them through it and explain and articulate what this animal's appropriate needs are and what can be useful with it, it's just such a relief because so many folks take that burden themselves and they think, oh my God, you know, it's been a while since I've had a puppy or it's been a while since I've right. had this breed, you know, this must be something I'm doing, but that's not necessarily the case. You know, just, just as human beings can be very troubled sometimes, so can our dogs, but it doesn't mean we don't love them. It doesn't mean that they don't deserve the help that they need to succeed, which more often than not, they absolutely can. Right, right. Julie, um, talk to us about what your program actually offers right in Chicago for Chicago residents, because obviously you can buy the book and implement the program from anywhere in the United States, but you have services that you're offering, as Steve was just talking about, in-home training thing. Um, talk about what you're doing right there in Chicago. Okay, so in the in the greater Chicagoland area, which which co we cover a pretty wide, wide area. We go out to Rockford, we go up to the Wisconsin border, we're in north um, west. Indiana, and we go farther south than Joliet. So we cover a really, really big area. Um, but what we do in this area is starting out with the very basic. Um, we, we provide an introduction to training class, which uh, we put together as um, something free that we work uh, we um, work with shelters to be able to promote this within, you know, their system as well, but it's open to the community. And that just gives people a, a really good solid understanding of 
what positive reinforcement and event marker training is all about and, and basically how to do some problem solving. And we do some simple communication um, understanding so they can learn a little bit about the language of dogs. And um, it's a really well put together one hour program that we offer um, for free at four different locations in the Chicagoland area. That's one of the things that we're going to start taking outside of Chicago. Um, but that I can tell you about later. The other thing that we do in Chicago is obviously we have the in-class training program and that's um, the sound beginning program where it's all based on the beginning of the book, but now how to really start applying it in the real world and everything. So there's four individual one hour classes that can be taken at any time frame, any location. Um, and then it also includes a half an hour phone consultation with one of our behavioral trainers. So that way we can help them with things that are not covered in class. Um, so that's that's one thing. We also do strictly just on phone training because um, like one of the things that Steve does too is we have people with cats and a lot of times people with cats, you, you can't just walk into the house and oh here, let's work with the kitty and the kitty's under the bed going, I don't think so. <laughs> so, so sometimes just being able to do um, a phone training session to help them, you know, problem solve with their cat problems, whatever it is. Um, that's one of the things that we have um, two of our trainers, Steve and another one of our KPA, KPA trainers, um, Liz Geisen, they both um, do a lot of uh, work with cats because that's, they're very skilled in a lot of specialty stuff there. I don't know anything about cats, but that's, that's one of the things that we do on phone training for. And sometimes there's things that um, you know, maybe people are not in our area or maybe they just need help with house training. You don't necessarily have to go out and do an in-home session just to help them with house training. We could do that as a phone training session. So that's another um, aspect of the program as well. And then obviously the in-home sessions that we do. Um, and that's pretty much what we're doing right now in the Chicagoland area. We do have the Sound Beginning Program classes. Um, one of our trainers, Jeff Joyce, he's a certified trainer down in, um, it's, it's Southwest Florida. Inglewood is exactly the, the town that it's in, but he brought the Sound Beginning Program down there. And one of our other trainers, Leanne Falkingham, another KPA trainer, she has the, the program up in Canada right now and um, with a group called Puppy Power. And um, so that's what we're doing up there. So we're trying to kind of get an idea of what it's going to take to be able to put it together so that we can offer it to certified trainers all over the country. And and talk for just a couple minutes. I mean, I'm sure you could talk for hours on, on, on this subject, but talk about why positive reinforcement training is so important with this program as opposed to using force or other types of training. I'll tell you my quick my quick thought on that, but you need to have Steve go into it further because he has the behavior knowledge um, much more pronounced in his brain than I do. I look at it from a simplistic point of view when I first started training. I got my my first real dog. I mean, I always had dogs from the time I was a kid and everything, but I got my first quote real dog, you know, when I got married and everything. And ah, it's my home, my dog, my family. 
And, and I said, I got to take the dog to training class. How cool would that be? And I brought the dog to training class and she wasn't very happy in the class. And um, she was barking at the other dogs. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, what am I going to do? I'm the only one that's got the Doberman in the corner that's barking at everybody. And the, the instructor at the time said, well, you know, you just have to force that dog and you have to pop that dog, you know, grab that collar and you pop that dog and you stop that dog from doing it. And I just looked at her and I go, I don't really think so. You know, I'd rather not be here. So I left because I thought if that's what it takes to do dog training, I don't want to do it. So I went home with my dog and still totally in love with my dog. But I'm thinking I really, really would like to do this because it looks so cool. And that's when I met Pat Rattray because I was a photographer at the time. And I was talking to Pat and I said, you know, I've, I've done all these pictures for you. I said, and I know you do dog training and stuff. I said, this is what happened to me. And she said, oh, no, no. She said, let me tell you what to do. And it was one sentence. She said, go back to the same training facility. You don't have to go there as a student. Go back to the same training facility, park across the street, sit in the car. And every time your dog sees another dog walk down the street, throw cookies at her. Really? Yep, that's all you got to do. And when, when that goes really well and you're not getting any barking left, call me and I'll give you step two. <laughs> and boom, I was like, I was just smitten. Wow. And within a very short amount of time, I had totally reduced that dog's reactivity because it was based on obviously fear. The dog didn't know what was going on. She was an older dog when I got her. And um, she was a breeder reject, so she had never really experienced all this stuff. She wasn't mean or aggressive. She was just trying to say to every other dog on the planet, stay the heck away from me. So that's when I realized positive reinforcement not only is effective and helps the dog, but it builds that relationship because I'm not mad at the dog anymore. I'm proud of the dog. I'm happy. I'm comfortable. I'm doing things that are making the dog happy and me making me happy. And so from just a mutual relationship at both ends of the leash, I feel that that's what the most benefit I get from positive reinforcement. It, I feel good when I'm training my dog that way. I feel good interacting with my dogs that way. And now from actually the scientific side of it, that's where Steve's going to take over because I'm just like the regular person here. And, and now Steve can tell you the other side. Yeah, so to add to the science to it, uh, firstly, we see an overwhelming correlation of significant behavioral disorders and, and behavioral fallout, which includes increased fear, mistrust, and aggression with regards to traditional training techniques. Now, I see a, a large justification of these techniques as well. We've, we've got to be dominant. We've got to be the alpha over our animals. And firstly, that's the, that's the raw myth is, is what it is. Uh, dogs are not pack animals by nature. They're, they're socially gregarious. Um, but they're not going to form, you know, a pack in the sense of a, a wolf pack. And, and certainly wolves are, I mean, if you ever take a look at a pug, a Pomeranian, that ain't a wolf <laughs> by any means. They're pretty, right. pretty pretty far removed then at that point. Totally, totally different animal. So with that, when we look at, at truly what dominance is, it's the maintaining of priority access to resources through force, aggression, submission, but primarily ritualistic display. And with that, when you actually see dogs uh, display dominance in an intra-pack or artificial pack setting, uh, which truly does occur and is a, a real phenomenon, it's very ritualized. And those rituals are all geared towards avoiding bloodshed and avoiding direct confrontation. And when we have a dog that even to the, the least degree imaginable is, is otherwise sociable, has an innate desire to seek out, maintain, and really reaffirm friendly and affiliative relationships with people, what that means is that that dog is not looking at you innately like another animal that can push, move, and bully around. It's looking at you as some sort of supreme being or, or demigod, which is exactly what we bred them to do over, over hundreds, if not thousands of years at that point. And to, to further add to that, not only 
is it very detrimental to our trust? As you can imagine, if you've got a boss that takes notice of all your hard work, rewards you accordingly, and you know, gives you bonuses and so on and so forth, you're really going to go above and beyond for that person because you know it's going to be in your best interest to do so. Whereas, you know, conversely, if you've got a boss that is on your case about very petty things and they're always they're always on you, it's just we've all had a boss like that. You know, you're just you're just trying to get through the day. <laughs> you know, just trying not to get yelled at really. Then at that point, and when we look at sort of a, a spectrum of dogs here, so on one end of things. You know, you've got very, very hard dogs um, who are kind of boom, they're there, they're in your face, they're ready to handle business, they're very capable, very serious things if, if need be. It doesn't even mean aggression by any means, but you just you take your duties as a dog very seriously. You're very confident. Now, on the other end, we've got very, very soft dogs. Now, with those soft dogs, they're super easygoing. When it comes down to fight or flight time, they're going to be choosing flight. Um, you know, they're, they're easily scared, easily startled, easily rattled. And in that continuum, in the exact smack dab middle, there's a very, very narrow band where traditionally this style of training may work well for that dog, the traditional punishment-based style of training. doesn't mean you're building a good relationship, but what it means is you're able to get away with it and your dog is succeeding, frankly, in, in spite of you, not because of you. Because you've got a dog that is hard enough to emotionally tolerate the aversives that you're throwing at that animal, but soft enough that they're not going to develop aggression or, or any other significant behavioral fallout. And the danger is, is that until you start potentially doing some serious damage to your dog, you don't know, you may have an idea, but you don't know where your dog is on that spectrum. Whereas positive reinforcement works on the entirety of that spectrum, and there's just really not that much of a risk of, of fall. You might not counter condition your dog as, as fast enough or as well enough as you otherwise could, but you're not going to be doing your, your fearful dog harm. You're not going to be doing your dog you know, that has some apprehension, that has some stranger danger, resource guarding harm uh, by using positive reinforcement. You just might not get, if you don't have the skillful application, the results that you want as quickly as you want them. But with punishment-based training, there's a very, very hefty risk that, that you're going to be doing harm. And in my professional opinion and experience, there is nothing that punishment training can do that's a skillful application. I stress skillful uh, application of positive reinforcement can't do significantly better while building a much stronger bond with the pet. I 100% agree with that. Absolutely, positively. So, Julie, at, at the end of the program here, tell our listeners where they can get your program. A soundbeginningprogram.com, or you can call us at 630-776-8197. We're in the office every day from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Chicago time, whatever the heck that is on your end of the world. Um, but we always respond to emails and phone calls within the same day. So, And you, you are also on Facebook at a Sound Beginning program as well. Yes. Awesome. Steve and Julie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks everyone for watching and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you. If you'd like to participate in the rest of today's conversation for professionals who work with dogs and receive continuing education credits from participating organizations for listening, visit gooddogpro.com and subscribe today. Use coupon podcast to get 40% off your first month or annual subscription.